I didn't say that. So he lied about that. Well, I didn't say that. There's blame, yes. I think there's blame on both sides. Looking back at a wild year in politics and ahead to the new year, what will 2018 bring? With the political spotlight still shining on Indiana, it's all ahead on a special edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning to you and welcome to a special edition of In Focus. Looking back at the year that was, 2017, I'm Dan Spieler, joined today by my colleague Matt Smith. This was a year like no yeah. other in politics, but then again, we said that last year too. Definitely a <laughs> wild year. A lot of Hoosiers in Washington, D.C. as we speak, serving the state of Indiana. That was the spotlight in 2017. And it all started when we traveled to D.C. for Inauguration Day in January. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. A new era in America. Fox 59 and CBS 4, along with the Indy Star, have all joined together to bring you Central Indiana's most extensive coverage. As Donald Trump becomes the 45th President of the United States, with a new VP, Mike Pence, at his side. You know, the truth is, this is a bittersweet moment for us. To be at the ball where it's Hoosiers, and it's people who really know us. And it's just very special to be able to share it with them. I have to tell you, words, words cannot des describe uh, the honor and the gratitude we feel for having the chance to lead the state that we love these past four years. Bob Donaldson and Dan Spieler are in front of the White House. A lot of activity right here and very near us. You're looking at live pictures here of St. John's Episcopal Church. The president-elect is uh, getting ready now to head to the White House. Matt Smith at the U.S. Capitol. We've seen a number of Hoosiers and folks from across Indiana who have made their way here. Kyle Inskeep and Shannon Hauser are both at the National Mall. Hey guys, yeah, I want to show you uh, what it looks like out here on the mall uh, where a lot of people are starting to fill in this area right over here. It started out a little bit slow, but we're seeing more and more people kind of move into this area. We have seen a number of Hoosiers assembling here. This is one of those moments in history. There will be so many photographs of this day, of all of these moments. What uh, tone will he strike? Can he really achieve unity in a country that right now is so very divided? There are people very fearful, uh, very concerned about the Trump administration, and there are many people hoping that he will shake things up in Washington. I think that's what makes this inauguration so significant. It has been such a divided election. It has been such a divided country. But on a day like today, this is the day when the country comes together. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. Yeah. The parade has started. Donald Trump and Mike Pence are making their way to us. As the IMPD drill team comes this way, as the Culver Academy equestrian team and the Columbus North marching band arrives uh, along the parade route. As we watch uh, the vice president arrive here at the review stand with the 45th president of the United States inaugurated today. And who would have thought uh, just a couple of years ago? Ladies and gentlemen, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. He 
matter how you feel about the election, the whole process of the peaceful transition was amazing to watch firsthand. And it'll be our job to keep an eye on the process as everything unfolds here in Washington. You've said you think this is still essentially a Muslim ban. Is there any way to fix this in a way you could support? I, I, I've stood boldly and unapologetically against the first Muslim ban. I have no doubt we'll pass this because we're going to keep our promises. Even some Republicans still are not on board. Is this the right plan? I feel that it is the right plan. Are you okay with the way this has been crafted behind the scenes? And is this a bill you'll support? You know, I want to get to yes. Where do you stand on these single-payer proposals that we're hearing from some Democrats? Well, my focus has actually been on protecting the, the care that we have in place. On Russia, are you concerned about what you've heard in the news this past week relating to Paul Manafort, relating to the ongoing uh, FBI investigation? I think all Hoosiers want me to continue to follow the facts. I took it as a direction. Right. I mean, as the President of the United States. He I didn't say that. So he lied about that. Well, I didn't say that. There's blame, yes. I think there's blame on both sides. Reckless, outrageous, and undignified behavior. Off the field right now, out. He's fired. He's fired! The president and I just believe it's not too much to ask. Politicians were not immune to what some call the national reckoning over sexual assault and harassment allegations. Based on the facts as I understand them, uh, Roy Moore should step down. I'd be comfortable uh, with whoever the voters of Alabama sent to, sent, to, sent to the Senate. While Republican leaders work to refocus attention from Twitter to tax cuts. So all this stuff you see on a daily basis on Twitter this and Twitter that, forget about it. Could this vote against the tax reform bill hurt you next year in the Senate race? You know, my focus is on doing what's right. Uh, I wasn't hired to vote based on what might help in a Senate race. It's the largest tax cut in the history of our country. Thank you for keeping your promise to see this Congress deliver the largest tax cut in American history before Christmas. What a year it was, 2017. We're here now with Mark Lauder, former press secretary for Vice President Mike Pence. Looking back at the year that was, obviously there were a lot of controversies in the news, in politics this past year. Did they get in the way of the Trump administration's first year agenda? I don't think so. When you look at the results that have been achieved in this first year, whether it's the stock market, the unemployment rate, the soaring business and consumer confidence, the tax cut bill just getting passed, and then all the progress that's being made on the world stage. While many of people in the national media have been distracted by other things, uh, the work of the government, the work of the people continued, and, and we've got a lot of good results in that first year under the president's leadership. Uh, obviously, you're from right here in, in Indiana. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing from Hoosiers about both Vice President Pence, his first year, uh, in office and also this tax cut bill. Polls show it's not a very popular bill. Is it going to hurt Republicans perhaps in the midterms? I don't think so. There's been a lot of misinformation about there in terms of what it does and will middle class people see benefits? They will. The average middle class family of four is going to see about a $2,000 tax cut. That's real money in your pocket. So I think once people start seeing the results, seeing the money in their, in their paychecks, they're going to start to see that this was a good bill. We're going to continue to see economic growth. And I think it's in a very good 
good spot for Republicans to be running with that and the economic uh, surge that we have seen under the president's leadership. And as we look ahead to 2018, I think Senator Donnelly is going to have a very difficult time explaining to Hoosiers why he voted against putting more money in your in your pocket. How big of an issue is that going to be in this Senate race here in the Hoosier State? I think it's going to be a very big issue in terms of the tax cuts. I think it's going to be a very big issue on his vote against Obama to keep Obamacare. Uh, when he, if he would have voted with the with the Republicans and the majority to repeal and replace it, we would have a different health care system coming in. You'd see lower premiums as money was being block granted to the state. So things like what then Governor Pence did and Governor Daniels did with the Healthy Indiana Plan, you could have expanded that and done even more with the flexibility that we were talking about providing Indiana from the federal government. And Senator Donnelly chose to stand with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and against the interests of Hoosiers in that respect. I know we'll see you a lot in the year ahead. Mark Lauder, thanks so much <laughs> thanks, for being Dan. here today. Appreciate it. Matt, over to you. All right, Dan, thanks so much. You're John Zodi, chair of the Indiana Democrats. Good to see you. you thanks too, for man. being with us. As we look back on 2017, kind of give me your key takeaways uh, on what we saw in 2017. Well, we saw a surge of energy here in Indiana with the Democratic Party, new people getting involved, certainly with the Trump administration and all the challenges we have here in Indiana. Uh, a lot of people were interested in getting involved in the political process. The president won this state by nearly 20 points. It I mean, did. that is a big surge to fill and potentially flip mm -hmm. as we look to the midterms. Sure. Well, and we're not going to win by just... Uh, talking about how bad of a president Donald Trump is. We've got to be talking about what Democrats are for, what Democrats like Joe Donnelly are doing in the U.S. Senate to make sure that Hoosier families are protected, uh, like what our our Democrats in the General Assembly are doing to uh, help increase wages, to help get, get kids an early childhood education as soon as possible, to help advance uh, fairness and, and uh, help tackle the opioid epidemic, for instance. So uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about as Democrats, and we've got to be out on the campaign trail talking about what we're for, not just what we are against. Did Senator Donnelly hurt himself by not voting for the tax bill? No, I don't believe he did. That tax bill, uh, we are seeing more and more. Uh, it's just a week or so yeah. old as a law, and we're seeing already. Uh, some of the impacts that might come down. Uh, what people need to remember is that this this uh, tax bill balloon, could balloon the, the, the national debt by $2.2 trillion. Uh, all the Republicans here in Indiana and the delegation voted for it. All the deficit hawks who said that they were against raising the debt for so many years voted to increase it by possibly $2.2 trillion. Uh, it doesn't stop outsourcing of jobs. It doesn't protect the middle class. In, in just a decade, uh, people who uh, are making a certain, that middle class uh, bracket of income are going to be paying more in taxes, while the wealthiest among us are going to be paying less. But as far as the U.S. Senate goes, we're just going to keep uh, making sure Joe Donnelly has what he needs. That Republican primary will work itself out uh, in we think we have the strongest candidate to win in November. All right, John Sody, chair of the State Democratic right. Party. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Dan, back to you. Matt, thanks. Coming up next, looking ahead to some of the big issues at the State House this coming year, including Sunday alcohol sales. Yeah, it's New Year's, New Year's Eve today. You can't buy alcohol at the grocery. We'll talk about that after the break. All right, welcome back. Matt and I are joined now by two of our panelists, both former state lawmakers, Republican Mike Murphy, Democrat Christina Hale. Could be an interesting year ahead for the General Assembly. The session starting this coming week on Wednesday. What are you watching for in the year ahead? Well, certainly we're going to be talking about alcohol, but we're going to be talking about a lot of social issues. I think it's not a budget year, so right. they're going to be talking about immigration, about beer, liquor, CBD about oil. CBD oil. A lot of sins, I think, are going to be... Uh, <laughs> On the docket. A short session, though. 
It's always a short session in the the even years. Um, I say that gambling dominates every session, ever since 1993. The casinos, the tracks are always claiming to be poor and losing losing to the competition, even though sometimes the competition is their co-owned casinos right across the state line. Um, So it will be casinos again. And alcohol, I mean, Senate Bill number one is Sunday sales. That's the priority in the legislature is to get you your beer on Sunday. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Sunday sales are likely to be a huge issue, and this is a good day to discuss it because as we come to you here on New Year's (laughs) Eve, it's Sunday, though, so you can't go out and buy alcohol if you haven't already. And, Matt, this is an issue you asked House Speaker Brian Bosma about. They're talking a lot about this internally and externally, Mike. As as you've noted, uh, another big issue they're going to be facing this year, this along with the controversy of CBD oil that's uh, spiked up the last couple weeks. Some hot-button issues uh, with key players at the State House. First, here's House Speaker Brian Bosma. If I were to predict, I'd say it, it's going to pass. The problem is it gets loaded up with all kinds of other proposals. You know, what this industry group or that industry group wants to make their buck or, or you know, get their, if they lose this leverage, they've got to have their thing. And it's my hope we have a clean bill on Sunday sales and move it through. I'm not here to dictate that policy. Uh, we've got 150 thoughtful policymakers here, plus a governor that's engaged in the issue. So we'll try to come to the right decision. We want to listen. We want to hear what your concerns are. And, and we want to bring those concerns to the table. I believe CBD oil is legal with zero THC content. And so there needs to be some clarification, obviously. If there are ways that we can be clearer about that or labeling um, on, on the actual bottles. You heard from the governor that we've heard from a lot of key players, a lot of contradictions in recent weeks. So you guys surprised at how much this has bubbled up, the CBD oil issue? Well, I'm more surprised at the conflict between the governor's office and the attorney general. general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he doesn't understand that he's the governor's lawyer when you're of the same party, and he wants to be bigger than the governor, and the governor always wins. And also this DCS issue likely to be a big one as well. I know you wrote an op-ed about that this past week, but it's something the Democrats want to look into. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope we do. You know, when you have a former judge, a Republican judge, Mary Beth Bonaventura, who really is resigning because she feels it's such a dire situation for children in our state that children will die if things don't change then they'd better be looking into that. A lot of politics behind that, as you wrote in the Star. Two sides of every story, Christina. Um, the, the judge was, I'm sure, a good woman, maybe a good judge. She did not know how to run an agency. They put the best chief of staff in state government in to help her, and she didn't like it. And she was getting pushed out, so she decided to burn the building down while she's leaving. We'll have more of that on our podcast. I'm this sure week. we do also read about a number of controversies and kids who are suffering out in homes throughout Indiana as well. They need no more doubt. support. No doubt. And, and the governor gave her $600 million in new money this year. We know it will be a big debate this year, uh, no doubt. One of the other things we're looking at in 2018 here, the race for Senate. Uh, five Republicans in the GOP primary, you see them there. Of course, Todd Rokita, Luke Messer, two of the big names there in that Senate race. Uh, recently, Matt, you spoke with Congressman Luke Messer. Here it is. My number one focus is on our campaign and presenting my own case for why yeah. I believe I'm the best person to be our next United States Senator. I'm really not very focused on throwing stones at anybody else. Frankly, we've had this tradition in Indiana of staying positive, of following what we call uh, Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment to not yeah. speak ill of other Republicans, and that's the focus we're going to try to keep through the next few uh, months. Well, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a clear choice uh, for, for, for Hoosier Republicans uh, this spring and, and Hoosiers generally. You know, I'll tell you, I live 
in Indiana with my family. We live in Brownsburg. You see me in church. You see me in Indiana. You see me at the grocery store in Indiana. You see me on my boys' baseball field, Diamond, in Indiana. And, uh, you know, I fight for those ideas that, are, that, that Hoosiers want. All right, Mike, what are Indiana Republicans thinking as we go into the next six months with this primary? Well, I think there's, first of all, there's six or seven people. I think Andy Horning may be getting in in February, kind of a perennial candidate. But I think they're, the Republicans are really saying, please cut this crap out. Please talk about significant issues, not whether you're living in Indiana or not living in Indiana. We don't yeah. want a repeat of 2012. It's going to be an interesting midterm, no doubt about it. It's going to be a bloody, yeah. bloody Republican primary. All right. Well, up next, we bring in the rest of our panel, picking this year's winners and losers right after this. Tonight at midnight, the tradition continues with the Indy Car Drop downtown. You can watch the festivities on CBS4 and live on the CBS4 Facebook page as we wrap up 2017. As we've been talking about all morning, what a year it was in politics. Today, Dan and the rest of our panel take a look back. Guys. Okay, here with Tim Swearens, Jennifer Wagner, Tony Samuel, Laura Wilson. 2017, coming to a close. What's the story, the politician, or the issue? that had the most impact this year, and what are you most interested to see in the year ahead? One word for 2017, chaos. We've seen chaos in our politics and in so many aspects of American life. My hope for 2018 is stability. I hope that is the word we have for next year. So I'm gonna break the rules and go with three really quickly. Um, I agree with Tim. Chaos has kind of defined the year. It was an off year for most states, including Indiana election-wise. Um, the Me Too movement, and I think Democrats on the up uprise. So those were the, the things that defined us this year. Next year, I, I hope for civility, and I also can't wait for the elections. She's looking forward. She's counting wait. down, Tony. Yeah, I don't blame her. Uh, <laughs> um, 2016 election continuing into 2017. Really, yeah, it's, it's is, like is, time is, hasn't moved it forward. It just seems right. like we talked about uh, issues that started uh, in the election. Uh, most of the weeks here, there was at least some talk of the Russian uh, probe, and I think we're finally seeing that unravel. Uh, if it wasn't for that, uh, there wouldn't have been a lot of other um, things that I think held, held the Trump administration back from getting their message out of all the accomplishments that they made. Yeah. Laura. Well, I think Robert Mueller's special investigation, it's raised a lot more questions than I feel like it's answered, and that will continue on in 2017, or 2018, rather, right. um, but what we've seen. And then to echo Jennifer, the Me Too movement, the sexual assault, sexual harassment claims, um, we've had these all the time, but they're being taken very seriously, and our cultural dynamic in terms of how we discuss them and treat them is very different One now. One of the year's uh, most significant stories, if not the most, uh, for a lot of people, no doubt. All right, this year's winners and losers. Picking a winner and a loser for 2017. We do this every week, week to week. This is for the whole year. So I have two winners, uh, both Indiana Connection. Eric Holcomb uh, for a good, solid first year, better than many people expected. And Mike Pence, who did provide stability and, and some uh, some continuity as vice president. My loser has to be Donald Trump. It could have been a win for him, but his the chaos and the unpredictability that he inflicted on himself, uh, he, he lost a uh, real opportunity. I actually want to agree. I think Eric Holcomb has had a very, very good year. Uh, I think after Mike Pence has shown us how to govern again in a very bipartisan way, um, and I think loser has to also be Donald Trump. Um, he's had a couple of good moments, but overall, uh, I think he has contributed 
uh, in a way that I hope can be undone to a partisan back and forth that is not helpful for our democracy. He was a, a two-time loser on this panel. I suspect the score is about to change. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to flip that. I, I think President Trump is the winner, but I, I think it remains to be seen or proven until 2018. He's had a lot of accomplishments. Like I said, a lot weren't um, uh, as, as well uh, uh, communicated because of uh, the constant barrage of attacks from the left and the far left and the, the left national media, not all media, but a lot. And I think now he's, he's had a great win, but he's got all kinds of other things that he accomplished that we're going to see the poll numbers change in 2018. So yeah, I, it's going to be a while until I think I'm proven right. A loser for this year? A loser for this year would be uh, Hillary Clinton and Democrats and the Democrat National Party for everything that, again, they did in 2016. Laura? Um, so mine's a paradox. I think the good thing, the winner, would be the conversations about politics that we're having now. And I, I love that people who seem to never care before are really invested and involved. I hope, of course, they actually take that with them to the polls in next November. Um, but the other side is it feels like yet another year of no bipartisanship, at least at the right. federal level. There's more legislative gridlock, and it, it's everything's a, well, are you Republican or Democrat? And that determines it all. And I, I really hate saying that. Whatever side you're on, uh, everybody needs a vacation after 2017, <laughs> right? Guys, back to you. All right, Dan, thanks so much here with Mike and Christina. More winners and losers. I mean, gosh, you look at 2017, there is so much to process. Christina, we'll start with you, 2017 winners and losers. I'd have to say my winners are Hoosier women. I have talked to thousands and thousands of women around the state this past year. They are fired up. They're ready to run. Right now, only one in five people in the General Assembly are women. That's going to change. I'm really excited about that. Losers, I might have to say the American people. I mean, we're more divided than ever, men, women, Republicans, Democrats. It's so fat, fractious, and we really need to knit the fabric of our patriotism back together. Mike, winners and losers. Well, I'd say my winner is, has to be Paul Ryan. Um, he is the one who steered the tax package through, not Donald Trump, not McConnell, and he survived it, which is hard to do. And if he retires in 2018, he will, he will have quite a legacy behind him. The loser has to be Steve Bannon. I mean, he is completely discredited. And one uh, anchor, one columnist said on TV recently that he looks like a disheveled drunk on TV. That's Steve Bannon's 2017. All right, guys, thanks. We'll be right back. Okay, we're here for a little bonus content on the podcast today. We were talking about this DCS situation on the show. And Mike, you wrote an op-ed this week about how you think maybe some of this situation behind the scenes wasn't handled the right way. And Christina, on the show, you mentioned, look, really the most important thing here is, is the kids and what happens to this agency down the road. And, you know, obviously you guys have some different views on this, but where's this headed now? What, will this be investigated further? The governor wants to do an assessment of DCS. Is that enough? I think that's the first step, and I'm very glad that he stepped forward and said that he was going to do something about it and really look into it. I mean, no matter what, we just have to be as cautious as possible. In the hierarchy of need, there's nothing more important than protecting children from harm. So if somebody's raising their hand and saying, there's something terrible going on here, it, it's only um, his duty to ensure that we've turned over every rock. And your point really wasn't about that as much as about how this, the whole situation well, was handled. There's always room for legitimate disagreement on how you approach policy, whether it's saving children's lives or you know paving roads. The, the DCS, remember, um, used to be part of FSSA. 
and Mitch Daniels separated out because he wanted to make it a priority. He doubled the number of caseworkers, which even doubling them wasn't enough because the problem keeps getting worse. And so the good thing to remember is that Eric Holcomb, above anything, is a problem solver, and he will solve this problem. The problem with uh, Mary Bonaventura was that she was probably a, a well-meaning judge and probably a good judge, but she didn't know how to run a billion-dollar agency. So they took the best chief of staff in state government and put, her in, put him in there to bolster her, and she didn't like it. So she and he's the one she mentioned specifically the one she in, trashes, in the resignation. She's the one which no true leader ever trashes their staff. It's like a football coach blaming a t one tight end for having a losing season. It's just not, not possible. So, so what she did was she reversed some award-winning um, uh, innovations that the previous uh, DCS commissioner, Judge Payne, who was also a well-known juvenile judge, put in. They won all kinds of national awards for what they did. Um, she, she suppressed a Deloitte and Touche study, which was uh, critical of her administration and what needed to be done to make things better. But Christina's right, you know, we have a horrible problem with, with abused kids and kids of meth parents and opioid parents and everything else we gotta take care of. We have a huge problem with infant mortality. We are like a third world country when it comes to our infant mortality rate. The worst and, in the and, nation when it comes to African-American children. Yeah, and it has, to, it has to be taken care of, and I think Governor Holcomb is the right one to do it. And, Christina, really, this is the first big controversy that Governor Holcomb has had to, has had to face in office so far. Well, that's true, and I would like to remind Mike, too, Judge Payne, under his tenure, did face unprecedented rates of child mortality. More children died uh, un, um, under the auspices of, of DCS under his leadership and that's why that changed he was forced out himself if you recall there was also a scandal involving a case involving his own family prior to judge bonaventura's um, appointment so there's been a lot wrong there for quite some time and i do think you have to commend someone who steps up to say hey this isn't right and we have to do something for these kids um, now the internal politics what's happening within the administration Mike, I'm sure you know more and have, have, have clearer insight into that than I do, but I, I do admire her for raising the alarm. And now there's a, a new appointee uh, who's been named uh, to this post, uh, Dr. Stigden. Uh, maybe not the job that everybody's lining up for uh, after all the issues at this agency, but certainly uh, she'll have a long list of things to accomplish there over the next few months and years. She will, and she seems to be a very solid appointee, and I'm really glad. Riley, Anything I can do yeah. to support her tenure there, I believe she'll also be serving on the Indiana Commission on the Status of Children, looking at bigger picture um, policy as it relates to children, evidence, you know, so that we can use things like uh, advances in brain science to do better by our Hoosier children in need. You know, Riley Hospital has produced some outstanding leaders and that have happened to come forward into public service as well. Dr. Stigden, or, that you just mentioned. Um, another one is Dr. Jennifer Walthall, who headed up the, with the um, pediatric yeah. emergency room at Riley Hospital for several years, also continued to do that while she was the deputy commissioner of Indiana State Department of Health, Public Health. She, she is an all-star. And I think you'll see Riley Hospital, and particularly the Riley Foundation, headed by Kevin O'Keefe, who are going to take the lead in solving this infant mortality program. Because you can't do it through government. You just can't do it. You, government has to play a part, but you need private sector leadership. Um, I say kind of like the Marshall Plan after World War II or the Committee for the Re Relief of Belgium that uh, Hoover ran. I mean. <laughs> 
this is a problem that's systemic, um, but it's easy. It's, we know where the problem happens, too. It, most of the child deaths happen in like 25 uh, zip codes in the state of Indiana. It's a matter, it all comes down to leadership. And every governor, I don't care if it's Frank O'Bannon, Evan By, Joe Kernan, Mitch Daniels, whomever, you're not, you're not judged by how you accomplish or don't accomplish your agenda. You're judged by how you handle the unknown, the crisis. And I think that Eric Holcomb will come out as an all-star in this. Well, and we're in a time of tremendous change in how we do medicine and uh, try to support good health throughout our state. Telemedicine is coming. We have fewer and fewer hospitals. We have more than 20 counties in Indiana where women don't have access to OBGYN services, so they can't give birth where they live in rural Indiana. Yeah. And we talk about infant mortality. Maternal mortality is a tremendously awful problem here in yeah. our state as well. A few more things we wanted to talk about that we didn't have time to on, on TV. We'll move into the lightning round here for some of these topics. Immigration, obviously it's a huge national issue. You guys think perhaps also an issue that may get discussed this year at the State House. Undocumented children who have been brought into this country um, without, you know, by their parents, without their knowledge. They might assume they're Americans. They've graduated from uh, Indiana high schools. They get into our best public colleges and, and universities. They, um, as of about three or four years ago, no longer have access to in-state tuition. That was taken away. Brian Bosma at the Indiana Latino Legislative Breakfast said that he would support at least grandfathering in a lot of those students. Um, but a bill has been filed by Dave Nisgotsky, Senator uh, David Nisgotsky from the South Bend area, and it looks like it might have some legs. We'll see. It's, it's, a, it's always a controversial topic. In well, sure. And I, I was in the legislature before uh, Christina, and I witnessed um, some of the most mean-spirited, non-Christian, so to speak, um, legislation aimed at immigrants um, by some of my good friends. And fortunately, we were able to stop some of it. And the federal judge stopped most of the rest of it. A little bit of it made it through to, to finally be in the law. But, you know, my problem with my party is, you know, we talk a good game. And then, you know, after every, every election when we lose so many seats in Congress or lose the presidency, we say we're going to be nice to Latinos. That lasts for four weeks. And I, I hope they're sincere. Generally speaking, the state has absolutely no business in immigration. It's a federal issue, okay? But because of the, the, uh, the, the in-state tuition issue, that's, that's legitimately a state issue. But you have to remember, the legislature took away the in-state in, in, uh, in tuition just a few years ago, as Christina said. If they give it back now, I hope that's a recognition they made a big mistake a couple years ago. And, and let's just keep in mind, too, it's an economic argument. We're trying to attract and retain talent here, and so our best and brightest are now, we're putting a tremendous hurdle in front of them, and it, it's just not right. How about this bill about the national anthem, Colts games? State Rep Milo Smith introducing a bill basically saying, if you don't like that players kneel, if the Colts take a knee during the national anthem, you can get a refund. It's goofy. That's all it's <laughs> got a lot of national attention this week. It's a headline bill. Milo's right? a great guy. He's a good state representative. But sometimes, you know, 80% of what the legislature does, the laws that are passed, are based on emotion, not on, on logic or facts. And this is an emotional bill, and I'm sure he has a lot of constituents down there in Columbus who are saying, Milo, you got to do something. But the same reason that bill is goofy is, is the reason why I don't like Congress, uh, you know, investigating Major League Baseball or NBA basketball or, or anything else. There's, there's a forum, there's a proper forum within the sports governing bodies to handle those kinds of issues. 
And I think the NFL is, is completely capable of handling the, the anthem issue. And if they don't handle it correctly, the fans will vote with their feet right. and with their wallet. And nothing Milo Smith does is going to change well, he's that. he's making a statement here, right? I mean, yeah. is he really suggesting a bill that would compel a private business to give somebody a refund if they're offended? Yeah. I, mean, I agree. Cool. The market needs to take over. People can stay home, just as yeah. you said, Mike. You know, let them vote with their feet. Well, yeah. and some have with, with mm -hmm. the ratings this year. One, I mean, clearly thing, it's an issue that touches a nerve, whatever side you're on. When I was first joined the legislature, uh, my then um, caucus chairman was Jeff Linder from Shelbyville, a very, very solid guy. And he said, remember, every piece of legislation you author has your name on it, and it's going to live as part of your permanent legislative record. So make every piece you author a serious piece of legislation that you're not going to be ashamed of 25 years from now. And I think, with all due respect to Milo, that um, he's going to, 20 years ago, he's going to think, why did I do that? That item got picked up by a lot of national outlets. The other story we saw get some national press this week was the mayor of South Bend, Pete Buttigieg, announcing uh, his engagement to his boyfriend. The New York Times uh, last year uh, wrote an article suggesting he may one day become the nation's first gay president. He said yes. Yeah, uh, Mayor Pete's a good friend of mine, and I'm just thrilled for him. Those two are in love. They're very happy, and um, they're a good governing couple. And it's just a pleasure to watch uh, young people in love. What is Mayor Pete's future? Well, first of, all, step? first of all, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. If he's happy, I'm happy. Um, but I think he has been, and I'm here as a Republican, who, I'm a South Bend native, I think he's the best mayor since uh, the 1960s, easily. Since maybe before the 1960s. In, in South, 70 percent of the vote in South yeah, Bend? Yeah, at one time, time, South Bend had lost 30 percent of their population. And I don't know if it's turning around like it should, but he's bringing innovation to the city for the first time in over 50 years, which I applaud him for. I'm not sure he's the first gay American president if he becomes well, president. Well, he, he's the first have, out right. of the closet. The <laughs> first out of the closet. Historians have written yeah. on that. A lot of historians that's, think that's President true. Buchanan was gay. That's right. And uh, maybe others, who knows. But, um, uh, you know, I don't know. He has, the f he has any future he's willing to work hard enough to achieve. Let's put it that way. He's a very bright guy. Military background. Uh, a mayor Rose obviously scholar. ran for DNC yeah. chair, so yeah. we'll see what... Uh, what his future holds. Guys, thank you so much. It's thank been you. fun to talk more on the podcast and always great to have you here as we close out 2017 and look ahead to 2018. Another big year ahead, right? What's going to happen, Dan? Who knows? That's why we bring you on <laughs> yeah. to ask you guys what's going to happen. We'll see. The Trump will still be tweeting. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see you again next week. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.